Hello team and welcome back to the Simply Fit Podcast. Today I bring you some incredible news. I have been working on a secret project for the past three or four months now and I now can tell you that the brand new follow along workout channel is live and here. On this YouTube channel you're going to find workouts for fat loss, muscle building, improving your cardio health, flexibility, everything is going to be on there. You're going to find body weight workouts, dumbbell workouts, kettlebell and resistance bands workouts all that you can follow along with and the best part is that it's completely free they're also around 10 to 20 minutes long meaning if you're short of time you can quickly complete an effective workout or you can combine like two or three of them together and complete like a full 45 to 60 minute workout new workouts will go live on the channel every tuesday and thursday and they're going to be accompanied by an amazing backdrop which i'm sure you're all going to enjoy so if you want to find the channel just search elliot hasoon into youtube and you'll find it very easily and please subscribe it makes me very, very happy and it helps the channel grow. And feel free to tell your friends, your family, your pets, whoever you want to share this with and let's work out together. Hello team and welcome to episode 281 of the Simply Fit podcast. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Zach Smith. Zach is a health and fitness coach and performer in the very popular show, Dream Boys. Zach has recently been very open about his challenges with substance abuse and mental health. And in today's episode, I wanted to talk to him about how he got through these challenges and how he's taken those learnings into the work he does today as both a health and fitness coach and a performer on stage. In this episode, you can expect to learn how Zach worked through his darkest moments, how you can start to look and feel better without having to prescribe to the traditional stereotypes of how to get in shape, along with Zach's thoughts on ambition and core values. So without further ado, Zach Smith. Zach Smith, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm not too bad. Thank you, my friend. How are you? I am very, very well. I'm looking forward to having our conversation today. So for those who may have not come across yourself before, can you give us a little bit of context of who you are and what it is that you do? Yeah, so um, I'm a lifestyle and fitness coach. Uh, I'm also a member of the touring cast of Dream Boys. I've been an acrobat and a dancer since sort of the age of 12. I started with breakdancing and I've kind of sort of had a weird and wonderful journey with fitness throughout my life. And I've always had this sort of like, you know, that the, the thing you always hear of that, like 1% mentality, like everything I've always done has always been geared towards being the best at what I could do, which has sort of led me on a weird and wonderful path. It's been a bit dark at times where I've put too much pressure on myself and I've sort of come, come full circle now to find like a happy me- medium where fitness has become a staple in my life and I've started to have happier sort of healthier habits to just get the most in every area and not just like put the pressure on myself to be this incredible thing that I thought I had to be. <laughs> nice and where did that one percent mentality come from? Was it something that was instilled in you as a child or is it just something that you feel is quite innate and within you? Uh, if we're getting really deep with it, I guess it started with childhood, to be honest. Um, you know, there was a lot of pressure to perform well as a child from my father. Um, he was a very serious businessman. So, you know, anything I did, I had to be achieving a really high level, even if it was uh, if it was studying, if it was dancing, if it was free running at the time I started when I was young. So it was sort of breakdancing and free running was my way. And uh, there was always this like underlying thing of he wanted me to succeed with everything I did. So I was always 
pushing myself and sort of seeking approval as we do of our, of our peers and our parents. And um, it sort of like ingrained this thing in me where just nothing was ever enough, sometimes to my detriment, but that's totally where, you know, that mindset was shaped is, is sort of in my, in my younger years. And would you say, I've got an interesting question off the back of that, because I do find that I've had a lot of conversations with different psychologists, different therapists about how sometimes those challenging voices that come to us in childhood, those ones that don't seem so constructive at the time, actually in some way prove to be our benefit later down the line. I mean, in some cases they can make us crash and burn, but at the same time, it's led you to some really, really great places in a, in a way. So do you think that that was necessary for you to get to where you are today? Or do you think that those lessons could have been delivered in a slightly different way that would have ended up having you in the same place that you are? I think it's totally necessary to have that kind of the constructive criticism along the way and someone definitely like a driving force behind you. But I think I missed part of it. You know, I missed the reassurance along the way a little bit and I didn't quite get the affirmation in other areas of life. So it developed this really unhealthy uh, relationship with success and achieving. And that was the way that I would receive love. Right. So I think that I constantly put my value to what where I was succeeding whereas you know that gave me a lot of mental resilience but also when I took that away like when I've had injuries which we can go into later I've had a couple of operations through my life which almost stopped my career when those things happened and my my achievements were taken away from me what was I then left with and that then led into my spiral of mental health and sent me on another journey of how how I've got to work on these things that I feel like I had missed yeah, and no, I can completely see that. And it's great that you can see that through the rational perspective that you've had now. But whilst you're working through it at the moment, it was yeah probably quite dark and quite difficult to deal with it as well. So I want to go down the two different routes. So obviously, you've got two different careers in a sense. You've got the health and fitness and the lifestyle coaching side of things. Then you obviously got being in Dream Boys as well. So let's start with the creative side of things. So what led you down the route of choosing Dream Boys as a thing to have your creative expression now? And why is it that you also have that and the you choose to do the health, fitness, and lifestyle coaching because I would be surprised that you do the both of those. Yeah, it's funny because they're they're quite juxtaposed, right? Because one is very ego led, and one is in it is is from a place of sort of love and care. And I guess I guess you can sum it literally up to what I've just spoken about of my childhood. Is I have this top one percent mentality ingrained in me somewhere. So you know the egocentric sort of career driven being the the quote unquote alpha male on stage, like that, that thing, you know, the, the ridiculously in shape sort of shredded acrobatic things that I do. But then also I've been in some very dark places and I've always said, I would love to be able to help others that were in my situation. You know, it got really, really dark for me at times. And I fell into drugs and other things and I got into a really, really dark space. So I then on one hand, I have this side to my personality, but also I'm a very caring individual. And if I can help people lead a happier life, I really wanted to do that. So that's what's when I set my eyes on sort of the health and the fitness and the lifestyle coaching. Um, like I've always from the age of about 15, I was teaching breakdancing. So I've always been an educator. I've always liked to share and to grow. And something in hip hop that um, is, 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 a, is, is a key, like a pillar of hip hop is sharing knowledge and passing on information and passing on dance moves. And so it's been sort of part and parcel to my life to go through and share information that I've learned along the way. And that guided me to then be the coach that I am today. So you're just kind of getting the best of both worlds by the sounds of it. Basically, I get to have my cake and eat it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you only uh, this is a, a challenge I have with that phrase. I'm like, well, if you have a cake and, you, and you're not going to eat it, what else are you going to do with it, right? So I think that's the right way to go about it. But on that <laughs> yeah. note, with the um, the more egocentric and the dream boy side of things, obviously you've recently opened up about the mental health challenges that you've had, the substance abuse. Can you run us through that story for someone who may have not come across you before and maybe have not got the depth? 
depth of that because I think that's going to be a really valuable part of the story that a lot of people can take value from today. So if you go through like from the very beginning where those mental health start, obviously you spoke about they started to come up a little bit in your childhood based on some of the things that you experienced, but when did they begin to manifest and when did that turn into substance abuse? And if you could run us through that story, that would be incredible. As I mentioned, I'll, I'll circle back to how we started this conversation. So the top 1%, 1% mentality was developed as a child. Then we moved through through childhood, sort of seeking affirmation and all of that. And then, you know, I, I was hanging around in sort of South London with the friends and I was tricking at an age of about, once I'd finished college was when sort of the drug use started. And I was started sort of smoking weed and things like that. It was a social thing. You know, I was an acrobat and we would go, we would train, we'd play video games and we would smoke weed. And it kind of started out with this just like casual use thing. And then I picked up an injury after a very big job I had. So I did, um, I was in a film called Mary Poppins Returns, right? And it was, it was a real highlight of my career. And, uh, literally on the final day of my contract, because my ankles were so overused, like as a dancer in the industry, you are like bottom of the pile. And when they say jump, you say how high and you just have to be ready. And if you're not, someone else will take your job. And we'd been doing like weeks and weeks and weeks of rehearsals and filming and it got to this last day and my ankle just completely shattered on set and uh, I ended up having to have a reconstruction I've got a metal metal ankle now and um, you know at that point like my power was taken away from me this is the thing that I was known for you know in my industry I would turn up into auditions and all the other dancers which are incredible if it was a tricking job they would know I would get this job right because that was my thing I made myself like the best tricker in the UK who could dance and so that was taken away from me and my reputation and obviously your ego takes a massive hit so then the, the substance abuse started to get worse and I started smoking weed sort of every day just to null null the pain that I was going through and because I didn't know who I was away from this like when your hobby becomes your job and both are simultaneously taken away from you like it, it's it's really hard thing and you know I, I found myself I couldn't communicate with my family because I'm used to going oh I'm doing all these amazing things but now I'm left with nothing and then you know that snowballs over time I got a little bit of a handle of it as we often do you know we talk about it in fitness uh, with yo-yo dieting right we start making some good headway something happens, then we start to slip again. It's exactly the same with the substance abuse. So it was actually very, very recent where I was at my worst. It was in the first lockdown when, again, when I was talking about Mary Poppins, my power was taken away. Then I get on the mend, I get on the mend, I fix myself, I get back to working, I get a job, I'm working, all of these brilliant things are happening. Bang, lockdown happens. Again, it's all taken away. And then I fell into cocaine, you know, um, which is quite rife in the adult entertainment industry, unfortunately. Uh, And I started using it daily to avoid the pain that I was in. Uh, I was in a relationship I wasn't really happy with. I was living in a house. I wasn't really happy. I had no other area of my life. My career was taken away. And Dream Boys, like the best thing about them is we're all a family. We look after each other. And that was also gone. So the family that I could tell all my problems to, even if I wasn't successful, for example, was then taken away. So I sort of fell fell back into the drugs. And it was honestly, it was awful. It was three months of back to back every day, ringing my dealer at like midday because I just couldn't face the days. And it's taken me sort of until, you know, recent months, um, I'm talking within the last year where I've really kind of got a grip on it because I found my why again. And I think that's the most important thing that I could really impart with anyone. It's like, if you have felt close to anything close to what I felt where your power is taken away or you feel a loss of identity or you feel stuck you always do have the power you just need to find like the why and the why has to be worth the pain that you're going to put yourself through to get to the goal you want 
I think that's all I have to say on, on the sort of subject, but that's how bad it got. And that was my mindset, how I got out because I found someone that I fell head, head over heels in love with. I found a job that I absolutely love. Dream boys is the best thing. Everyone is so supportive. And as much as we might seem really cocky and egocentric, they're the most loving people and the most accepting people ever. I've never felt more included in anything in my life. And it's the same with us, with our fans, you know, it doesn't matter ethnicity, gender, who you love, whatever. Everyone's allowed to just be in a room and feel safe and express themselves in that room when we're there and that's a sort of a big staple for why I do what I do so when I found all of these things working and I was on a positive spiral and you know motivation only goes so far you know once I had the motivation I took action then I found my discipline and through discipline the motivation then stays because you continuously get these small goals that add up 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 and now I look back and I go, well, thank, thank God I did all that work because now my what I've created here is worth way more than anything I could go back to. So my eyes are just looking forward all the time. Absolutely incredible. Congratulations to you as well for being able to come out and not just come out, but come out like way far on the other side and be able to tell your story with such strength. And like you said, like you're in a position now where going back isn't an option because what you've got is so valuable and so precious to you as well. So I think that's one of the biggest things is about really acknowledging how important what you've achieved is. And I think that's the big thing because a lot of people will, even in the industry that we work in with health and fitness, a lot of people will get themselves into great shape and they're always thinking about, okay, well, what if I go back to where I was? But ultimately, if you get them to really value where they are, like the quality of life they're living, the way that they feel when they look at themselves in the mirror and everything along those lines, of course, it still requires you to do the work on a day-to-day basis. So I want to ask a question on that in just a moment, but it, it gives you a lot more incentive to keep in line with those things, those decisions that you need to make in order to keep you where you are, right? Of course, there is that incentive to stay where you are. Do you have the fear that you'll ever go back to potentially where you were or if maybe you get another injury or if you can't work again? Do you, do you see that as being something that you could potentially slip back into? And do you have any advice for anyone who might have them similar fears who are starting to work their way out of a dark place? If I'm honest, mate, terrified. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's ever going to be a time in my life where I'm not scared to go back there, but that is such a driving force. And if we can be honest with ourselves and accept that we did it, and when we did it, it was a choice, then we have power because I I literally live by the code of choice. We always have a choice, you know, whether you feel you're not, you do or not, whether whether your circumstances allow you to even look in another direction, you know, due to home financial constraints or whatever, or health complications. Like when you know that that is a possibility, you accept, you put yourself there, but you also got yourself out of it. Like that, then gives you power to move forward and continue moving in the right direction. If we talk about having slip-ups, do I have them? Every so often, I have had a slip-up where I felt shit about myself. I can be honest, like it will happen. But it's how soon you can catch it and realize that that is where that leads. And this is where I want to go. So if if I went on a night out and had a binge because I was upset because something went out at home, whether it's binging on food, alcohol, or substance, whatever you do, if you can nip it in the bud and say that was just a bad day, or even a bad hour, a bad minute, and get the sooner you can get back on the horse, you're not going to undo years of work with that one mistake and don't put so much gravity on it, you know? Yeah, no, it's key. And I think, again, relating that back to the health and fitness side of things, it's like you will have that occasional slip and ultimately that's not an invitation. I always say like a break away from doing the things you should be doing or would like to do isn't like it isn't an invitation to go and do the opposite, right? I think a lot of people will break their diet and be like, okay, then it's, it's my opportunity to binge or they'll yeah fall into a trap or something like that. And it'll be like back into that same behavior pattern. Um, but no, it's, it's incredible. And on that note as well, it's, you mentioned that obviously you rediscovered your why, but a lot of people can find those super, super strong reasons, but actually taking those next steps to actually act 
get that discipline in place, like you mentioned, that which really served you well. How did you solidify those things? Because I find that's the real big part. Like if I speak to a lot of people, they've got very strong reasons as to why they should maybe be in shape or maybe want to break out of this bad behavior cycle or this relationship, but they can't get themselves from the knowing to the doing. How did you get to that place and have made it stick as well? You know, people say practice makes perfect, but it, it, it's, it's not. It's perfect practice makes perfect is what I thought sort of live by. And, you know, when you have a process in mind, at least, if so, once you have the knowledge, if you can separate the things out that you need to do and focus on getting one thing sorted first. So the way I like to work with my clients is I'm not going to give them a crazy workout plan, loads of steps and a really strict meal plan straight away because it's never going to stick. I always tackle food first and, we, and I make it work around them and I'd start to teach people how to understand their macros and their calories and we do a couple weeks like that and then we add one thing in and we develop these habits over time and actually the most powerful thing when you do that you know it's easier when you do have a coach like someone like us to look after you because we can be the accountability for you but when I was doing it for myself I literally just broke things down step by step okay what do I need to do I'm going to focus on this for the next few weeks and then once I've got that one nailed I focus on this and this and this and eventually it will all become second nature and it's reinforced by the positive impact it has on your life yeah absolutely I couldn't agree more and I want to take a step back to again the steps that you took to get out of this position and you mentioned like leaning on your tribe essentially that you had with the dream boys as well and obviously it's a bunch of men speaking with each other which you wouldn't think about whatsoever So I'm keen to hear about that and more about why potentially you didn't open up before, what led you to actually taking that step to open up to everyone. And I'm sure that, you know, you've openly admit there is fears of falling back into the dark places that you were before. So I'm sure there's fears of opening up in the first place, getting judged for all this type of stuff. So what gave you the bravery to open up and what advice would you give to other men who are maybe in the similar position that you were? You know, I was always a very proud man as we're all taught to be very stoic. And this idea of, you know, I, I kind of hate talking about toxic masculinity because I don't like the term. It sounds so negative, but it is a real thing. You know, we're told to not really talk about our feelings and be strong for other people and how like emotions are weakness and all this thing. But when I realized how weak I felt when I couldn't ask for help, and what, what I felt when I did, that was the most powerful thing I could do. And that was real strength. When you can admit to yourself you have a problem, not only then, but the, the more powerful thing and the, the thing that takes more courage is admitting it to someone else. Because if I admit I have a problem, but I don't tell anyone, I don't have to fix it. But if I admit I have a problem and I voice it to the universe and to to, to my colleagues, to my friends, to other men and women, you know, to my partner and to my family, when I finally got it out there, it, it then it then gave me another why, because it's like, you know, I am a, inherently a people pleaser and I have been in my life, you know, I, that's something I've always had to work on. So then I've got another reason to succeed, you know, because now I'm not only doing it for myself, I'm doing it for those that love me around me and I've kind of voiced it out. Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah, that's amazing. And like I said, if you have a problem, you keep it in silence and there's no reason for you actually to deal with it. But the best forms of accountability are going to be those people around you that you care about. But I guess one of the biggest things that's going to stop people is their, their fear of failure as well. So how did you overcome that? I think it's, that's the biggest thing. It's like, how did you get the bravery to make those choices? Or was it just that you were in such a bad place that you, you kind of needed to? I have this lovely, I have this really nice take on failure and it is so necessary to fail in order to succeed. And I don't see succeeding as one thing. I see it as a mindset. So you can either have a, a mindset that's failing you or you can have a successful mindset. I don't see it as like one or the other, right? And, and the successful mindset to me is someone that looks failure in the face and isn't afraid to do it over and over again. The point in which you fail is when you have a, you have your why, but you give up. 
right? Because once you've given up, there is no chance of succeeding ever. But if you keep going, no matter how many times you mess it up, no matter how small the increments are that you make towards your goal along the way, you are successful every day you wake up and you commit yourself to that goal. And that was sort of how I view view the world and always have done. I think that uh, that always boded well for me in terms of I was always going to eventually get myself on the right path because I knew that if the only reason I would fail is if I stopped and couldn't admit this to myself. And then it just got easier and easier. And, you know, you start to realize people do care. And when you start to develop this sense of self-love and pride in what you're doing, and you really take ownership of your life, there is no better feeling. And that alone will carry you on further than anything else will. I couldn't agree more. And then in terms of the ways that you maintain your mental well-being now, I know obviously your physical health and well-being is a big, big part of your life. Are there any specific tactics and strategies you have in place now to keep your mental well-being in place aside from the health and fitness side of things? Yeah, I I actually, um, I'm a man who likes to have rules and structure. So this is kind of a weird one because I believe the opposite, but I am working through something right now. So I need a process. So I, I like to have my morning routine and everything will look the same. So I, li- I live within the realm of my norm, as it were, and I need to be addicted to something, right? So because that's my personality. So I chose fitness because I can be healthy with it. And I have my gym at the same time, sort of every day. I have the same food that I eat. My work schedule is the exact opposite. Like Dream Boys touring is the most malleable, malleable I've ever had to be in my life. So this is, this is where it kind of gets a bit weird and jaded because you would think that I would crumble the second I get there because there's no structure because you you know we turn up at whatever time i'm told to get there we sleep through the day on a touring coach you know meal times go out the window there's only one fridge between nine of us so it's hard to sort of keep our food structured yeah we get the gym and we can we travel through the night it's all a bit all over the place but in terms of for myself keeping myself on track you know it's just having that routine working on myself is the best way to put it but every time i make that meal i invested time into myself and that's a form of an act of love for me and i go to the gym and that's a form of a love for me as well i'm i'm loving myself with all these choices that i'm making and then i do the same when i have uh have to deal with my tour schedule you know it would be like the equivalent of parents you know no one day is going to be the same for them because it's however their child's feeling that day did they get told off at school do they get called into work while they have to deal with this and you're sort of torn between the two things and it all comes down to time management i guess yeah absolutely and on that note as well we can transition into the other side of your career which is obviously the health lifestyle and fitness coaching side of things as well so with all the lessons that you've learned from, I mean, your life experience full stop, how do you use that in your coaching with your clients as well? I like to take a really sort of relaxed approach because I want people to, one, never feel stressed about this because they're making positive steps in their life. And, and like I said, I like to lay foundations and take my time with it because my whole goal is that eventually you will not need me as a coach. That's, I want to educate people, right? You know, I want to teach them how to manage their own food, learn to get out and exercise, get their health and fitness to a place where they can perform their everyday tasks happily and, and manage their own sort of life as it were. Um, so my whole approach is really really sort of a, a systematic, happy, fun. Um, I'm a, I call myself the swole cheerleader because I'm always sending little videos with a smile on my face and having fun with it. And, you know, no one day has to look the same. You know, we have our plans that we change all the time, but especially with my foods, like, you know, I'm, I really hate the whole bodybuilder diet thing as much as i am a bodybuilder i do not train people the way that i train because that's a very niche thing you know it with 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 general life you're allowed to have your spaghetti bolognese and your curries and your this and your that as long as it fits in your macro so that's what i like to educate people is like better healthier alternatives 
and how to like up your neat energy expenditure effectively, like things you do outside the gym, you know, going for those walks, playing with the kids and all of that. Sorry, that was quite a jumbled way of describing my process, but I guess I like to keep it fun and simple is my answer. Yeah, no, it's a great answer, especially considering the narrative of the industry for so long has been to make it complicated and difficult, right? So to do the complete opposite of that, it's yeah, it's, it's probably music to a lot of people's ears. Have you found that you've been able to get the same level of high quality results? Because I think that's always a question mark around people is that they are aware that there's more flexible approach out there. There's a, they're aware there's a more fun approach out there. But like you said, with having the spaghetti bolognese and the curry, it almost sounds like you might not be able to get quite as good results. Have you found your results to be just as good? Or have you found that potentially if you went on more your side of things, where it's more structured, it's more same meals every day, would you find that there's a little bit of a disparity within the results that people are getting? Um, in terms of the results that I'm currently getting with my approach, they're incredible. You know, at the end of the day, it's a very simple equation in terms of you know calories in versus calories out. We we hear it in the fitness industry all the time. Um, the only reason mine ever wouldn't work is if you're if you're enjoying calorie dense foods, but you you want to cut some weight. So if you're if you want to lose weight, you're then limiting the amount of food you can eat in a day if it's more calorie dense, right? So there's there is a balance, and it's like if your hunger levels go up, then I start to strip it back a little bit, and we give you more meals of lower calorie dense foods but ultimately we tailor it to my client's life and it's actually about them understanding the realms of what they can eat and how they find their way with it so i do agree that my the bodybuilder way will yield definitely faster results and it will but and it will push you towards this sort of the top 1% of physiques if that's what you want. But again, we're talking about lifestyle. And for the majority of the people, they just want to be a bit happier, a bit healthier, have a bit more energy and have better moods. And you do not need to eat chicken, broccoli and rice and just drink water for you to have that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Preach. Yeah, definitely can hear you on that one. And you obviously speak a lot about the training and nutrition side of things, but we both know how much it is ultimately down to the mindset, right? I think the training and nutrition, once you understand it, it's the pretty simple part. So what specific work are you doing with your clients in terms of getting them into the right mindset to pull down those barriers that have been with them for so many years in order for them to actually get their results this time and to empower them to keep those results in the long term as well? You know, I, I work very much in, in mindset motivation. Like the, the I, I like to, you know, sort of set small challenges, like really, really easy attainable ones, then, then let them figure it out because there's nothing more powerful than a lesson we learn ourselves. So, you know, I allow my clients to go and have the weekend off. If they if they tell me they're going on holiday or if they tell me they're going to go away for a drink, I talk about, cool, we'll just damage, damage control on the other side. And whatever they go and do, I'm not going to limit them. I'm just going to say, this is what I would do. You go and do what you want. And more often than not, they will go away and, and some of them will stick relatively to the plan and won't go too far the other way. But it's actually the ones that go so far the other way that learn the most. Because I like, for example, you know, I have a client who started at sort of like 171 kilos. We started her weight loss journey, right? And we'd lost like 16 kilos in, in a very short period of time. It was going really, really well. And then we had that weekend and we had that weekend and quite a lot of weight back went back on. And just because of the, 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 the linear decline in weight loss that we'd had to this sudden spike based on her own behavior, she then managed to change her mindset to then go, oh, this makes so much sense. Everything that we've been talking about, it works and it's only down to me. And that's when the lessons are mostly learned with mindset. And, you know, when it comes to, so that's just on the food side things when we're talking if i'm talking about 
the other side of my clients where maybe people are trying to gain muscle, gain weight or gain, you know, I like to work with strength metrics instead of just putting on size because, you know, if we're getting stronger, we're getting bigger, right? So if someone's getting progressively stronger and then they took a week off and they feel weaker again or they haven't stuck to the plan and it shows within their strength metrics because their recovery wasn't as good or, or whatever, again, these are the lessons that they are learning themselves. I'm just there to pick up the pieces, fill in the blanks when they don't quite make sense of what's happened. Then again, they take it away for themselves. So I, I'm very much for helping my clients learn their own lessons and I just sort of hold their hand and guide their way. Yeah, absolutely. And then in terms of the long-term behavior change, you mentioned that obviously the goal is for them not to ultimately need a coach at the end. How have you found with like the longevity of the client's results that you have worked with? Because I think that, again, we can all know what to do, but actually maintaining it for 5, 10, 15 years or thereafter can be a completely different challenge in itself. And I think that's ultimately what everyone's coming for you for, right? They come to you initially, Zach, I want to get in shape for this holiday, I want to lose 10 kilos, but really they're saying, I want to be in shape for the rest of my life. I want this body and I don't don't want it for just the summer. I want it forever. So how have you found that you are yeah, helping people to create the longevity within their results as well? Because I think there's a big difference between yeah, getting you with the goal that you want and then setting you up for success for those next 10, 20 years thereafter. Yeah. So I guess, I guess we always start with a plan like everyone else does. You start with a meal plan, you start with a training plan, you start with water intake on all these things and you see the, see the gradual increase in, in health fitness over time. And then, you know, I, I then like to sort of towards the end of someone's journey with me when they're doing really well and everything's sort of taken on board, I'll introduce them to things like my fitness pal so that they can start doing their own tracking and then start to tell them that they can eat whichever meals are the plan that they want at any time of the day. And then they can start to swap one meal out for their own meal should they stay within the realm of their calories it's all, all these little things and putting the power in their hands and you know I, I i then i now have it when people are coming back to me and going oh i decided that i wanted to eat this so i and then went and offset it with a run or whatever i wanted to do like at the end of the day life is about balance and people just want to be able to stay in a relative shape it's not like you want to be continuously in the best shape of your life so i think by the time they're done with most most pts that care you know the way we do they will have the knowledge regardless and hopefully as long as they're why stays the same you know if it's that they want to be around for their children if it's they want the energy to be able to do this if it's if it's that next year they don't want to be back in my inbox when they're getting ready for their holiday you know they'll save money down the line whatever it is as long as they're wise strong enough they'll stay on the right trajectory <laughs> no, that's incredible and they couldn't agree more and i want to tap into not just the person who wants the decent results, but not those 1%. I want to go into the 1% mindset that you've had. So I'm sure there's some people that you may work with, or even you can just use your own example of working towards being you know, the best of the best to some degree. So when it comes to the difference between those who just want a decent result and those who want the 1%, what's the difference in mindset there? And what have been some of the keys to your success aside from some of the harder childhood lessons that you learn? You know, when we're talking about uh, becoming, you know, putting yourself in the top 1%, you know, the difference between this side and that side of my clients is these people have reasons why they couldn't do something and these people have excuses, right? So, <laughs> and I'm quite a lot. It's, it, it, unfortunately, we have to be really, really strict, really firm and really hard on ourselves on this side of the coin if you want to be in the top 1% because there's always someone working harder. You know, if we're talking competitively, this is, I'm talking, you know, if you're going to get on stage or, or whatever, there is always someone that's working harder. There is always someone that ate better than you did. There's someone that's been training longer or trains that little bit 
longer in the gym. Actually, the more important things, that, as we know, is their diets are on point and they're resting more. It's like fine tuning everything, making sure we're not making excuses, but we're asking questions as to why and then fixing the root of that problem. So if you are waking up and you're feeling unmotivated, that is a problem, but discipline will always guide you. And then you need to go, okay, why am I unmotivated? Is it because I didn't sleep enough? Is it because my water intake was too low yesterday? Is it because of I didn't, um, you know, my vitals are in the wrong place, you know, when it comes to um, micronutrients or, or phytonutrients, all, all of these little things that we start to pay attention to become so, so important because without them, you, you know, we're going to start resenting ourselves because if you have the top 1% mindset, there is no other choice. Like for me, there is no other choice than to perform at the best of my ability every day. And, you know, it, has got me into trouble. This is why I've had to find balance because it made me push away my family, made me push away some ex-partners. It made me lose friendships because I couldn't see another way of performing ever. And I wouldn't go to family birthdays. I wouldn't go to parties. I wouldn't go to these things. Like if you want to be the best of the best, you have to be performing in every part of your life. Like it's dedicated to this one goal. And how are you finding that now then? Because that was exactly the next question I had is that you've mentioned that life's all about balance. And then you have mentioned that your 1% mindset means you have to do absolutely everything to the best of your ability on a day-to-day basis. So how do you possibly navigate the two of those like conflicting interests? Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a war zone in my head sometimes. How I do it is I, I, I separate out my goals, right? So, you know, I, I, I wanted to spend the last year and, and next year focusing on my business and, you know, I'm climbing up the ranks in terms of Dream Boys. So now I'm sort of second in line to direct um, the company, right? So th- these are these are my current goals. So I'm directing everything to focus on those things right now. So you have to be able to compartmentalize what your goals are in order to be able to achieve what you want to achieve. And then I've set my, the next time I want to step on stage for Men's Physique, for example, will be at the end of 2023. So I'm making sure that my practice is as perfect as possible in the meantime, with my training to, in order to gain the size that I need to do. But my attention is fully focused on the other two areas of my life that I'm currently working on. And then when they're at a comfortable place and I've ticked that box and I've ticked that box and sort of we, we've, we've got the, the business running, we've got this, that, and the other, I can sort of put them aside, not really put them aside because that makes it sound like I'm going to like fob off my clients and all that, but I'm going to get my brain like head, head on into this sort of back into the top 1% mindset of there is no other option for these three months i'm going to do a cut and nothing else and where does uh, family and friends fit into that equation there's your three business and uh yeah personal goals as it's friends family and all the other stuff in life come into that well you know I, I'm also believe I'm of the mindset that you are a product of your environment. So my, my family history has been quite troubled. I've only just reconnected with my family now anyway, right? So that's something that I'm kind of just, I'm reconnecting with them every so often. We're like, we're, we're meeting up for a little family holiday for a few days away in a few weeks. And we're quite all quite comfortable because we have a similar mindset. So we know that we're always there. But, you know, it's not our priority, unfortunately. That's just sort of my life. And my partner is very, very supportive. She's absolutely incredible. You know, when I go into that that mindset of, of prep, she's going to be there holding my hand the whole way, like doing anything that I sort of need. And she's very understanding because she has a very um, demanding career as well. She's a singer and an actress and a presenter. So she really gets that when we go into these mind spaces, this is all I can focus on. And she wants me to achieve my goals as well. So that when I'm sort of 70 and I, I can say, I'm so glad I did that instead of I wish I had, you know, because that's ultimately where this mindset, that's where this mindset leads. It's, I want to be able to get to that place where I can finally go, oh, wow, that was a wild ride. I'm so glad I did all that. Do you know what I mean? Instead of I have all of these wants that I wish I could have, could have done. Is there ever a part of you that thinks that 
you know, be sitting on the beach and, uh, you know, just relaxing a little bit more might sound a little bit more appealing or does that, the, yeah, that desire to fill out all those desires that you've mentioned come on top or is it, but does it, is that constant or is there ever that temptation of, you know, could life be a little bit easier? Oh, definitely, man. Life could always be a little bit easier, but I'm just not there yet. Like I have these goals that I want to tick, but I just see it like a bucket list, to be honest. Like I, I, I want to get my pro card in bodybuilding and men's physique. I want to, you know, win a pro title and however long that takes, I, you know, I'm going to portion a period of my life to do that, which then also goes hand in hand with my health and fitness lifestyle. You know, I can work with my clients from that beach when I eventually get there and it, it sort, that sort of goes hand in hand. And, you know, with the dream voice thing as well, I'm getting myself to a place where eventually I won't need to be on the stage. So like I am working towards that image of me and my missus being sat on a lovely beach, just working from my laptop and enjoying all the lovely food once I've done what I feel I was put here to do. But I think the belief in what I want to achieve is so strong. If I was to stop now, I would really regret it because I know how capable I am. Mm, no, I couldn't agree more. But the question I do have that I'm sure that you've contemplated before is that when you do get to that point, do you think that you actually be able to slow down? Because based on the conversation, I have a feeling you might have a little bit of trouble with that initially. <laughs> You know, this is this is actually something my dad and I've spoken about quite a lot, and he's quite worried about me because when you achieve quote unquote perfection, when you've done the thing that you always wanted to do, and you know, you look back and you go, "Wow, shit me, that was hard." Excuse my French. When you go, "Oh, that that was difficult," whatever, and you and you've you've got no sort of goal in the pipeline, what do you do? So, so in that respect, I suppose there is a small concern for me, like, will that will that be okay? But I also know that I want to have a family. And I want to have clients and I want to do this. Like, like this is my settling down period will be being the lifestyle coach and being the father. Like I want nothing more than to be an amazing father to my kids who've proved that with hard work, you can achieve anything you want to. So, you know, I think my next goal, I will be able to put that down and focus on being the best coach and best father I can be, you know? So I think it's just as long as you can find the next why and transfer the mindset to being the best or whatever at that thing, <laughs> I think I'll be all right. Yeah, no, I like the idea of that. And you're completely right. I think it is just a case of transitioning and just recognizing that, yeah, that firepower doesn't have to always be directed in personal goals or health and fitness goals. It can be in the pursuit of family and pursuit of relationships. And I'm not sure how you measure the return on the investments and the metrics on that front. So that might be the bit of the challenge. But otherwise, I can see, yeah, where the distribution of energy will definitely make sense. So to kind of start to wrap up on that note as well, with the mindset side of things, with full stop with the life experiences that you've had and all the things that you've achieved along the way what are some of the key lessons that you lean on to this day if there are three maybe key lessons that you'd look back on your life and you're like i'm here because of potentially these three factors oh god uh well i've got to where i am today one of the main lessons i ever learned was to be malleable to be so sure of myself and my vision that i will always be where i'm meant to be and if I put my energy in the right place, it might not always go in the same direction. But if I like hold that vision in my head with the ability to let go of certain things, i.e. be malleable and stay like with conviction, I will find my way, you know. So like holding that core value really strong, knowing that you are where you are meant to be always, as long as you are making the best choices you feel for you, you can never be disappointed. That's how I feel. That's one thing. 
I also like to, you know, I've worked in so many industries and when it comes to like networking with friends, family and whatever, I like to leave a positive mark on people and it always makes me feel better about myself. So something that has got me to where I am has been, you know, the knowledge and the help of others too. So being a positive energy around everyone else and allowing that energy to come back to you, you're always going to get the most out of life. And then the third one will be um, choice. You know, if you recognize that you always have a choice, no matter what, in everything that you do, um, that inherently creates a lot of power. You become a very powerful person because you can choose to wake up today. I can choose to go and work on this goal or I can choose to not. And it will get me whatever result um, I, I am aiming towards with that choice. Yeah, I love that. I mean, a few key lessons to live by and definitely can take some notes off that as well. So coming back to the client side of things, what impact do you want to have on the lives of the clients that you're working with at the moment? Uh, when it when with my clients, all I want them to do is feel empowered. I want them to find the the education that they missed at some point, which ended up with them being unhappy with either how they look or feel. And I want them to walk away, you know, not not questioning whether they can eat certain things or being able to perform a certain task because they're not fit enough. You know, I just want everyone to feel empowered and happy and live a healthy life. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I'm intrigued to get your take on, obviously, the current state of obesity. I've asked a couple of um, different health and fitness coaches this question as well. So that when we look at the work we do, um, I was recently asked the question of, like, do I think that health and fitness as a whole is improving? And, you know, in my perspective for four, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm getting a lot of clients who I'm working with, they're getting great results. And, you know, I'm seeing a lot of coaches, the, the market, if you speak to any other online coach, it's quote unquote saturated, right? There's lots of people investing in health and fitness. And there's a lot of people, you know, making changes. But at the same time, we see the obesity rates going up from country to country. So if we look at it objectively, maybe it's not as much of an improvement as we anticipated. So do you feel that the current state of play when it comes to people's health and fitness is on the whole improving? Or do you think that there's a lot more work to do to, you know, start to improve things from the ground up? I think if we can be really honest with ourselves, it's 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 not improving as fast as it should be. You know, from the perspective of a coach, of course, my take on it is going to be, yes, it's improving, but that's because it's my job for the, anyone in my life for their health and fitness to be improving. But if we look at the statistics of everything, no, there's a decline in mental health. There's a decline in physical health. You know, companies are still put, like cigarettes are still being sold. McDonald's is still being pushed. Like it's, it's all of those things that, that need to change and we need to change people's mindsets around what we're doing right um <laughs> you know life is about balance at the end of the day but i feel like far far more people need an education in how to just take care of themselves a bit better <laughs> yeah i was just about to ask you the question if tomorrow we were able to put zach smith as prime minister what are the few things that you would implement to start people's health and fitness journeys going in a better direction what we do you do to solve the problem of uh, health and fitness at this moment so uh -huh. um there would be a lot of infographics on <laughs> for commercials instead of things like adverts for fast food you know thing thing being being taught about it in school instead of just like physical education being about going out and playing football and things like that actually teaching people how to to be physically fit and carry that on into adult life in the same way that I, as a self-employed person, wish I was taught how to deal with taxes when I was in school. It would have been amazing if we had the same education, not just saying fast food's bad for you, but going, okay, yes, but I'm still going to eat it sometimes. So how can I look after myself around that? You know, it's, it's building the whole picture so people can make informed decisions. So I wouldn't say I would inherently get rid of all these fast food chains, but I would definitely change the information that's out there 
and I would give people the the power to make a choice to go, yes, we can have this. You can have it bloody once a week if you want, as long as you're allowing for it. Obviously, it's going to have a detriment to your health, cholesterol, whatever, but we can still offset all these things and it doesn't have to be that way. So I would just make sure education was mandatory on fitness uh, in terms of water uptake and all of the other nutrients that we need. You know, a lot of illnesses that are happening these days are due to deficiencies in, in micro macronutrients that can be avoided, right? So if we just people to eat, 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 teach people to eat a balanced diet, or at least if you really can't nail those things and you're addicted to these things, get some form of multivitamin or something in your life to help yourself. So, you know, even, even an education in, in how fast food's affecting health with regards to you're just deficient in iron for example if, if, you, if you're suffering from a certain illness or, or all these other things just like maybe education on how to introduce supplementation if you're not getting enough nutrition in or, or whatever um, and just scrapping gym membership fees and making uh, making physical fitness more accessible. Oh, there would be so many things, man. It's really hard to say. I, I, and that's why I wouldn't put myself as prime minister and I would stay as a lifestyle coach. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you can at least have uh, your, yeah, have a, a link to someone within the government and hopefully you can share some of those ideas because I think that'd be super, super helpful. But it's been an amazing conversation, Zach. And I just want to find out where people can find you if they they want to follow you follow the work that you're doing yeah absolutely so on instagram uh, i am at zachary smith fitness and if people want to work with me uh with my coaching service then go to zscoaching.co.uk uh, you can find me there perfect i'll put all that in the show notes but yeah thank you so much for your time today zach i really do appreciate it you're welcome mate it's been great to speak to you have a lovely day pleasure you too mate and that was the simply fit podcast I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. To reach out to me on social media, you'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.